Nearly every relationship guide urges couples to improve their lines of communication, become better listeners, and be more open about their fears and their feelings. But how do you choose the right words in the heat of the moment? And how do you keep your tone from mangling the message you want to communicate? Dr. Nancy Dreyfus is joining me today to talk about her new and revised version of her book, Talk to Me Like I'm Someone You Love, Relationship Repair in a Flash. And this book has a very interesting characteristic, and that is that it comes with a set of 64 flashcards. Welcome, Dr. Dreyfus. So nice to speak with you. Good morning. Actually, I just want to say it. The entire book itself is flashcards. You just hold up the page. The, the little box you're talking about is a portable set with just 64 of the cards so that you can have them with you in the car, on a subway, on a plane. Smart. So, so the book is sort of the, the home version and the flashcards are the on-the-go, which, yes. let's face it, you just named popular places for arguments with couples. Well, cars, <laughs> people are often captive audiences. Oh. Many, many arguments that couples have in cars, believe me. Yeah. What I particularly like about the book is literally the name because it is just a shocker to remind us, talk to me like I'm someone you love. Even when you're in an angry argument, you love the person you're arguing with. Well, one of the things that I like saying to people is that the flashcards address almost nothing what you're arguing about, but everything that you care about. Usually, everything you're arguing about isn't the real issue. We're always arguing about whether I feel respected, whether I can have space, whether you care about me, whether you're listening to me. So therefore, when you're talking about how to load the dishwasher and it escalates, it's absolutely nothing to do with whether or not the cups go on the top rack or the bottom. It's about, what, respect for how you care about it being loaded? No, it's whether you're ta- more, more often it's more like whether you're whether or not you're taking me seriously, whether you're taking the relationship seriously, whether I'm real to you, uh, whether you care about me as a person. I don't know whether people actually know what the what the actual flashcards are. They're actually messages that you hold up to your partner at that moment when you think your partner is impossible. So if anybody's feeling this is counterintuitive, you are absolutely correct. But imagine when you and your partner are in a space where you're absolutely feeling they're unpenetrable and impossible, and they simply hold up a card that says, this feels awful. Can we Mm -hmm. start again or really listen to each other? Or one of my new ones that I really like, I know I was off, but I'm worried you would rather clobber me than get close again. And another one that I love, you are not being crazy. I can see why you'd be upset with me. And I can tell you from many years of experience, personal and professional, nothing makes your partner happier than when you're acknowledging that you've been crazy. Sure. And you know, it would be easier to say with the card than to to verbalize it yourself. And, And as we mentioned earlier, it's the tone that can also get you in trouble. Well, I'm holding up one that says, you don't have to agree with me, but it hurts when you don't take me seriously. Yep. And it's like finding that common ground. And as you say, it then drops the, the, the symptom that you're arguing about and gets to the cause. Can you tell me how you ended up coming up with this whole flashcard idea? I can, and it's actually relevant to the title card, which you mentioned. Um, probably over 20 years ago, I was a younger therapist, and I was in a couple session with a couple who sadly reminded me very much of my own parents. The um, wife was just screaming at the husband and actually called him a horse's ass, which was one of my mother's favorite words for my father. 
and I went into really kind of a trance. I became like a, a nine-year-old with her parents who couldn't speak or create peace. And um, I, I almost couldn't talk. And I just spontaneously leaned over and on a piece of paper, scrap paper, wrote, talk to me like I'm someone you love. I gave it to the battered husband, and I stage whispered to him, hold it up to her. And he held up this self-respectful message, kind of a kind of schlumpy guy who held up this message, and suddenly the wife melted. Mm-hmm. She apologized, and it, she apologized. They left as friends. And one of the, the pieces, actually I'm realizing this now, I've had many interviews and something's just dawning on me, that in that moment he did that, he exhibited a principle, I believe, that people don't treat you how you treat them, they treat you how you treat yourself. Oh. He was acting with self-respect. There was something, there's a dignity to that phrase, talk to me like I'm someone you love. It's cutting out all the other garbage, all the content, how you failed me yesterday. And they walked out of the office, and suddenly I had a like a flash mm-hmm. that there was something to the written message in piercing through defensiveness that was worth exploring. And, you know, I have been studying this now. There have been many versions of this book. The one that just came out um, actually this month, last month, is, is the newest. But you very wisely said something in your intro about voice tone. When we are in a defensive posture with a partner, our fight-or-flight response kicks in, Amy. And the purpose of the fight-or-flight response is actually to scan for danger. We're looking for danger. We're not looking for peace. So that if you and I were to have an upset and one of us was to say, I'm really sorry, you might hear the words. The words might be sincere, but your fight-or-flight response is going to hear that note of weariness or exasperation in my voice, and I will lose credibility. And I know from experience that's happened to me in an argument with my family members or my husband where I've been like, oh, great, you know, you sound so sincere. (laughs) And they probably are sincere, but you're just kind of wrung out from the argument, you know? Well, you know, it's funny because I think most well-intended people don't desire to fight, whether it be with their children, their husband, their friends, their colleagues. They really don't. And is there something, you know, I mean, of course, the flashcard helps, but is there something that can sort of stop that escalation in its tracks, some behavior we can all exhibit? Well, you know, no one's ever asked me that question again in in addition to the flashcards. Simply to say, this feels terrible. Yeah. In other words, to make a process comment. I, do you know who John Gottman is, Amy? He's, no. He is considered probably the, the most famous experienced researcher, marital researcher on the planet. He's been on the cover of the Sunday Times magazine a few times. He does research in a lab where he can wire couples up so that they know what they're... What, he can figure out what they're feeling in relationship to each other, annoyance, happiness, lust, whatever and predict with 96% accuracy whether they're going to be with each other in five years. So, I mean, he's like a, wow. a, couple's, he's a couple's genius. And one of the things he says, apropos to your question, is that happy couples are couples who normally use what he calls repair mechanisms, like my flashcards, naturally when they talk. So in the midst of an argument, one partner will say to the other, Honey, I know this is hard to hear. So that the in answer to your question, which is really the function, my, my flashcards are trying to turn a couple into Gottman's happy couples. Sure. 
learn how to do in the heat of the argument what the happier couples tend to do naturally, which is to remember, no matter what's happening, that there needs to be goodwill and affection, even if in the moment we're not liking each other or we're not liking our partner's position. Right. Because that does happen. Well, you know, I just flipped through another card right here, and it says it's hard admitting I might be wrong. And sometimes pride gets in the way, doesn't it? It becomes sort of this. (laughs) And what's the saying that I love so much? You have to decide whether you want to be right or happy. Well, you know, it's interesting that you you mentioned that card. Think of the difference between saying it, which can bring up kind of shame, and to hold up the card, it's hard admitting I might be wrong. There's something that in the very act of getting the card that kind of softens the shame and ups the dignity. Mm-hmm. And so there's something in terms of doing this that actually brings a kind of, reminds both of you of the dignity. Because, I mean, I once had the mortifying experience 24 hours after what I thought was a brilliant couple session with a couple that the husband came back to my house to find his eyeglasses he left here and overheard um, my husband and I having an argument my ex-husband and I having an argument where I, <laughs> I did everything that I told him not to do. Oh! <laughs> so at the end of the day, you're human too. <laughs> it was, I have to say, it was a very humbling, it was definitely a very humbling experience. And and, and really what it, what it was is he saw me in such an undignified, not a, well, I was, of course I was not walking my talk. Right, right. Um, but there's also something about the how undignified we get. Yes, I'm sure if I saw videotape of myself in the heat of some arguments, I would be um, embarrassed and mortified, no doubt. Well, I think even just leaving a box of these cards, you know, uh, in the house or, as you say, in the car, in your purse, just seeing them is a reminder of what you really intend, and that is to to talk to the person in your life like somebody that you love. And it's it's really great. I think this would make a great gift for newlyweds or for people on their anniversary. Just a great, great idea. Again, it's called Talk to Me Like I'm Someone You Love, Relationship Repair in a Flash by Knock. Dr. Nancy Dreyfus. And Dr. Dreyfus, it is so great to talk to you again. This is just a little shot in the arm of reminder to me, too, to how I want to conduct myself in my relationship. I'm sure it is for my listeners as well. Amy, it has been, as usual, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And you can find more information at nancydreyfus.com, and I'll link that all on amystable.com as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Amy's Table. It's Amy's Table. A girl's guide to living. With Amy Tobin on Q102. Who doesn't love a cupcake? Here's how to make perfect cupcakes for your family and friends. Choose a cupcake pan that's shiny and heavyweight. And since most cupcake recipes make two dozen, it's helpful to have two 12-well pans. Line each well with paper or foil wrappers or spray them with no-stick spray. And as with most baking projects, bring all your ingredients to room temperature first. Your batter will mix more evenly and you'll avoid overmixing. Overmixing cupcakes makes them chewy rather than tender. Proper measuring is key to baking cupcakes perfectly, especially if you're making them from scratch. So is a properly heated oven. Preheat your oven before mixing, too. If you have a favorite recipe for an 8-inch layer cake, that'll generally make 20 to 24 cupcakes. Fill each cup half to two-thirds full. Too little batter makes tiny little cupcakes nobody cares about. But too much batter and the cups will overflow. A great way to add batter is to squeeze it into the cups using a pastry bag. Or you can use an ice cream scoop or a measuring cup. Don't crowd the oven. If you're baking two pans at once, rotate the pans halfway through the baking time. 
Test for doneness after the minimum baking time by inserting a toothpick or a cake tester into the center of the cupcakes and make sure to cool them completely before frosting and decorating. I think cupcakes are best eaten the same day they're made, but you can freeze undecorated cupcakes for up to three months. For a flavor match made in heaven, try chocolate and peanut butter cupcakes. For these tips and the recipe for chocolate, chocolate, peanut butter cupcakes, visit GIF.com.